Hello friends, so excited to tell you about the new Trade Show University YouTube channel where we have five-minute pro tips, we've got longer training episodes, we've got expert interviews, and so much more coming up. Many of these video versions of the podcast episodes that you've enjoyed, plus there's videos there of content that is not available on our podcast, so please go to YouTube, search for Trade Show University, hit subscribe, and binge on those videos, which, which I have designed to help businesses get more leads, more sales, and more profits through the power of trade shows. So go find Trade Show University on YouTube and tell a friend. Hey, everybody. Welcome back here to campus at Trade Show University. This is going to be a fun episode because we're really touching on a topic that we have never talked about before, and that is show production. And and so all you show producers, show planners, show organizers, this one is for you. But even if you're an exhibitor or somewhere else on the trade show scale, you're going to find great value out of this. And I know you're going to be entertained as well today. My guest is Mark Collins. Mark is the co-founder and executive producer of Odyssey Creative. He began his theater and film career around age six. And ever since then, he's been bringing content to stages and screens for live audiences around the country and around the world. As a corporate and association show director, he believes in the use of theater production practices to craft the show strategically around the audience experience. And that is so important, that, that experience. As a content producer, he believes in applying cinematic sensibilities to corporate communications. Mark, welcome to Trade Show University. Hey, Jim, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. And like I said, we're talking about production, and, and I know I've got the right guy on because that is your world, show production. We were talking before we before we hit record, we were talking about a big event you've got coming up. But you're going to be there for 10 days, and obviously it's not a 10-day show, but there for 10 days. So some of these are huge, huge commitments for you and your team. And maybe we could touch a little bit on some of that as as we go. For but sure. uh, let's let's start by talking about a little bit about your background and and how did you get into production? Obviously, we talked a little bit about theater, but give us give us kind of what happened back then to uh, to lead you into this career. Well, yeah, I was a theater kid for sure, and just kind of fascinated by the idea of stories and storytelling. I also loved movies as a kid. And I always thought my career would go somewhere like that, somewhere between theater and film. I studied theater. I started working in theater after college. And then I kind of stumbled into this world of corporate events because I was doing, I was working as carpenter in theater carpenter and got recruited by this company that does corporate events to build scenery for them. And uh, my boss at the time says, oh, you know, you, you seem like you might have more to offer. You know, we should get you out into these shows and and I started going out on shows and looking around and saying gosh I think I can apply my skills from theater to this environment on a, on what feels like a larger scale and I was absolutely hooked and that was in the late 90s and I started my business in 2001 okay. uh, to produce a corporate and association events and provide pre-produced video content so I kind of get the theater and the film you know putting stuff on stage and putting stuff on screens for a live audience and, and I just love it that's that's awesome. So over 20 years you've been doing this now. Full 22 time. years. So yeah, this year, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So give give people an understanding of what are the kinds of events that you produce. Well, you know, really my favorite thing 
to produce our general sessions at, at corp or at, at, at association conferences, you know, the okay. big annual meetings for professional associations. You know, you've got you've got pretty much you've got the biggest sample set of the attendee base in one room facing one direction, listening to what you have to tell them. You have such an amazing opportunity, you know, to deliver your message. Everything else, you know, the, the, the networking is so important. The education is so important. The expo floor is so critical. You know, that's what brings everybody together. But in terms of message delivery, you can't really do that in the breakout sessions. And, you know, you can do it in the brochures, but how many people are reading and <laughs> where are you really going to get everybody's attention? And it's the general session. So I, I, I preach that to our association clients. This is the way to, um, you know, to, to, to get that message in front of the biggest group at once as possible. Wow. Okay. So, so how much coaching do you do with, with your clients to, and, and, and for those listening who are on the client side and they're, they're the association, they're the, the, the show producer, what are, what should they be considering? What should they be thinking? What do you kind of take people through what, how you take your clients? Okay. Well, there are a couple of ways to kind of look at that one. I, th I think the lot of, of, of meeting planners, show planners, and even like, you know, event department staff at associations and, and corporations tend to look at the general session as just like some boxes to check. You know, we, we have to make sure we do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And they kind of look at, at, at AV as a commodity, you know, gear and labor. So these things need to be done. This is the company that has the things. Let's put it on RFP and get the best possible price. And then and then we'll trust them to do it. We're dealing with transportation and housing and registration and F&B. Company can deal with production. But in that case, they're really missing the opportunity to have their story told. Mm. So we really advocate for getting involved early. You know, when you start planning these things is the time to start talking to your producer. I work as an executive producer in, in these settings. Start talking to your producer about strategically what you want to accomplish in this space. What resources do you have to bring to bear? What are the things we're working around in terms of schedule? You know, if you get us into the conversation early, we can start crafting the way that that's going to be delivered. Everything needs to work, you know, in an event, it's it's all, it's it's a complex clockwork of, of, of schedule and, and location and availability. When people are moving from the expo floor to the next thing, you don't want to be crowding them on this. You want to give them time to get into the room and get settled. So all those questions are things to be asking at the beginning to set yourself up for success. And then for us, it's really about digging into messaging and story points, figuring out the way the association or the corporation wants to deliver their message and talking to them about the best way to smoothly execute that. Yeah, as from from a, an attendee perspective, you want it to be so seamless, right? Do you, you want it when 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 nothing goes wrong, nobody notices. Exactly. And that's exactly <laughs> that's what you want. You want it to be so smooth that nobody thinks about the fact that they're watching a show. You know, if you're in the movie theater and the and the film breaks, you're out of the story. You know, if the if the oh, audio yeah. pops, you're out of the story. You know, we want to keep them in it. So everything that we're doing for smooth uh, you know, execution is so that we can keep people's attention. And attention spans are short. They are shorter and shorter these days. And if we give somebody an excuse to look down at their phone, they're going to take it. So we're looking at our show flow minute by minute of how are we changing things up? Not too many minutes at a time of a talking head. If we're putting them up on screen, are we switching between other content? We break for this and do a little entertainment thing here. Do we have some kind of interesting transition? What do our graphics look like? How can we keep people's attention for 90 minutes? And sometimes, well, that's another thing with, with clients, you know, they might set up themselves up for a, you know, like a three hour 
general session and we always tell them banquet chairs are not rated for three hours <laughs> you know, but that's usually what we're sitting on right <laughs> that's what we're sitting on so yeah we, we, we try to to tighten things up eb white says you know in the strunk and white guide to writing vigorous writing is concise you know you don't want a lot of fluff in the session you want to move quickly from point to point get that thing landed and move to the next thing keep people's attention and leave them with a message they can remember when they walk out so it's really like like we said earlier, it's really all about that attendee journey, the attendee flow through this and and really keeping them in mind as you're planning. Like you said, you know, if you, if you make your times in between sessions too tight, then all of a sudden people are rushing, they're getting in late, they're missing things, and you want it to flow. Right. This is all about the attendee experience. And that's something we often have to advocate for with our clients because there's so many competing priorities mm. in a professional association. For example, the staff works for the board, essentially, and the board, often the volunteer leadership, they might have their priorities of what they want to put forward. The staff might have their strategic priorities coming from their executive director of what they want to put forward. But is anybody sitting in those meetings talking about what the attendee is there for? You know, is anybody advocating for their experience? And so that's often a voice that we try to bring to those early meetings is uh, how are you compelling people to follow the story and want to come back next year? This is a competitive environment. A lot of shows do similar things and people don't have the travel budget to hit multiple shows. So how are you going to stand out? How are you going to be a better experience for that attendee? So they'll want to come back to your show. Yeah, so we're <laughs> talking. I get excited about this stuff. But you talk about story, and and stories have a script, right? So, do are these scripted out? To what degree do you have all this scripted? You know, I think I think Steven Spielberg, if he was asked to you, know, when you shot Jurassic Park, did you just turn the dinosaurs loose and roll cameras? <laughs> <laughs> It is absolutely scripted as carefully and tightly as possible. You want there some, to be some pockets for spontaneity. You want some surprise and delight moments. You want authenticity with the audience, but that can only happen, ironically enough, in a well-structured environment. You know, once you've got your lead presenter really well rehearsed and really, really smooth with their remarks, that's when they can go off script. That's when they can have a moment with the audience that where they break out of that and, and have that connection. And that's authentic and that's memorable. But yeah, we have a tightly locked down process. We start with a show flow, which is kind of, you know, some people call it a run of show, an outline minute by minute of everything that needs to go into it. That's kind of the blueprint for the thing that gets everybody's all the stakeholders sign off. We, we are checking all the boxes as originally intended. But then you go into that script to really render it all out and what are the finishes and how does it feel and how does it look? And then it's not just the presenters that are using that script. It's the crew. You know, there's 20 or 30 of us backstage in front of house following that script and a show caller on a headset like this one calling those cues just like in the theater so that this all happens seamlessly. Um, so yeah, that script is the document that gets everybody onto the same page. We've been working on the event for six months or eight months, and we might walk into the room and the AV crew is looking at it for the first time. If we give them that script, then they know what we're trying to accomplish. Wow. Yeah. And I know how many, how many times I've sat through a general session and, you know, whether I'm, I might be entertained, I might be bored. I might be, you know, whatever emotion that I'm going through and whatever I get out of it, but I have no idea. And until recently, I had no idea how long that was planned, how many people are actually doing things at that moment behind the scenes. It's not just the one person who happens to be giving the talk on stage. 
there's so much. So yeah, give some of the some of the people that are working behind the scenes on on a typical general session. Oh sure, and you know, to me as as a theater guy, again, you know, it's it's very gratifying to work with theater people who get the idea of of the show in real time and how it all plays out. But you know, if you kind of break down into the technical categories, you've got lighting and you've got sound and you've got video and you've got graphics. You know, there's kind of some of the big buckets. So in lighting, you've got a lighting designer who figured out long since before when the scenic designer was working, who's not in the room anymore, what the set was going to look like and where the lights could go in the ceiling and work with the building to figure out the, the rigging and all that and get the entire light plot built to to get the, the 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 stage lit and the presenters lit in a way that the video guys can get them on camera and iMag. Mm. Then you've got the sound designer who's doing the same thing with the rig to figure out how to get the best sound all the way around the room and also what those cues are going to be and what that music is going to be. Sometimes they look to us, the producer, to provide that. Sometimes they've got their libraries. But a lot, a lot of clients want that kind of stuff curated. You know, it's a quick sidebar on music. If you have a 30-minute walk-in for a general session, you've got 30 minutes to set the tone for what you're going to do. What's the audience coming from? You know where they're going to start. You know where you want the energy to be. So curating a playlist that goes up 30 minutes where the beats per minute is increasing steadily will get them from their coffee break in their last education session up to the energy level you want them when program starts and we're going to cold open with video. So there's the, there's the sound, there's the music, there's all that, there's the microphones, there's the rehearsal for all those things. And then there's the video. Video is broken. You know, there's the live stuff that's going on. There's camera operators in the back of the room and there's video switchers backstage who are cutting between cameras on a separate channel so that they're not bothering the show callers trying to call lights and sound. <laughs> but there's also pre-produced content. And that's something I mentioned earlier, something that we do a lot of. A compelling, interesting onstage experience means going back and forth between the stage and the screens. Lights down, video rolls. So you've got a combination of this live experience that's happening in the room and this polished, you know, produced piece that's that's ready to go that's fully packaged that you're going to throw to that's going to support that messaging you got a mix of those various things you've got video playback going on as well and then you've got graphics you know graphics are often one of the first things you see when you walk in the room you've got a big array of screens does it look kind of like the website when you register does it look a little bit like the brochure you got when you checked in does it feel a little bit like your badge but is it emotion are the lower thirds that come up when someone comes onto stage do they play along with that do they sort of tie into what you saw on the sponsor signage in the expo floor or coordinating all that to the attendee experience makes people make somebody feel branded and feel like okay I know I know where I am I know that this this show is part of the bigger picture and if you silo those various departments you miss that opportunity so graphics are something you're they're working on when your expo provider and your general contractor are working on signage for the trade show floor coordinate it all together and of course when you walk in the room it's just a bunch of people sitting behind computers pressing buttons <laughs> <laughs> but doing way more than that, it's it's the expertise behind it to, to know which buttons to press at the right time to make all this just go seamlessly. And, and for know, all th those... that's the one position yeah. I got. I don't mean to cut in, but no, I, I got to give full credit to the person wearing this headset sitting at the desk, the show caller or in the uh, in, in, in theater parlance, the stage manager. They are the conductor of the orchestra. All of those people back there are experts in their fields. They're experts with their equipment. They know exactly how to execute. But they are relying on the timing coming from the stage manager, show caller, to make all those things happen. So there's a very complex set of queuing codes and presets that are all timed out because those often have to happen in very rapid succession for a bunch of things to happen at once on stage during a transition. And just like you're calling a Broadway show where a lot of different things have to happen, you have to give the flymen their cues, you have to give the lighting cue, you have to give the, the deckhands cues to, to move scenery. Those things have to happen really, really fast. Everyone's got to know the language and the show caller is the one who's making sure all of that goes really beautifully. And as a producer, 
ideally I get to sit in the back row and kind of take my headset off my ear a little bit, try to take it in as an attendee and make notes on that to make it better for next year. Wow. So the producer, you, you're doing, your job is pre-planning. Your job is getting everything ready. So when, when the, the show starts, you kind of, you can sit back and watch the magic happen. Right. You know, the, the, I, I don't want to leave out the, the rehearsal process because that is oh. so, so critical, but I'm very heavily involved in rehearsal. My whole team is very heavily involved in rehearsal, but then when we're really in show, the best thing I can do for the quality of the show is not to interrupt anybody on headset. <laughs> they are doing their jobs. My job at that point is to record the experience mentally, make notes and and take it in as an audience member does. Well, I, I really encourage everyone to to re-listen to this episode because there's so many little nuances that you can learn from. You know, whether you are planning your own show or maybe you're you're an exhibitor and you're trying to figure out how do I create a better experience right there at my booth, you're going to learn some of the things that Mark has been talking about that you can incorporate right there. Or maybe you're, you're going to be planning your own corporate events and you're going you're gonna to want to take some things away and just, and then next time you're at that general session, you're going to be looking around and you're going to be noticing, oh, oh, okay. The music. Ah, okay. I see where they're, what they're doing. Yeah, those those people is... <laughs> sitting at the back of the room at that tech table with the black curtains yeah. around it. They are the tip of the icebergs. Everybody else is behind the screens, but oh, those are the, those are the people who are trying to make sure I have a good show today. That's just, just amazing. And I love the fact that you brought up rehearsal. Because I think that is, we we don't give that enough credit. We don't, oh, we don't absolutely. Give credit. I mean, as a theater guy, it is all about rehearsal. Yeah. Because so when, again, it's that flawless performance, it's the believability that, and that I'm, I'm now in a different place. I'm in a new world. I'm, I'm, you know, if you're in a theater, if you're at a show that you are immersed and you're drawn in to the messaging, the branding, the, yeah. the, the, the talk. All of that, it, and it's, it doesn't you know, it's, happen. It, it's all an illusion. You know, it's, it's it, <laughs> you have to make it feel very authentic. It's not natural when you're up there on stage, maybe reading from a presidential style teleprompter or reading from downstage monitors and delivering this message. The coaching that I'm trying to give presenters, it doesn't feel natural the way that you want to not, you know, cheat your shoulders to the audience a little bit. Don't turn your hips this way when you're walking. It doesn't feel natural. So you have to work on it. You have to rehearse it. You know, there's this, this great judo quote that you can only fight the way you train. You know, if you don't get some muscle memory, if you don't let your let your voice feel itself saying the words, let your body feel itself on stage, let your eyes get used to the lighting and reading from the prompter, you can't just think about it and expect to do it well on stage. So we, re we really rehearse for two reasons. One is for the presenters, and that is critical because these are leaders of major organizations, and we need to give the attendees confidence in the organization. So they need to have confidence in their in their leadership and the, the, present, the presenter needs to be smooth in that. If the presenter is nervous, the audience is nervous. If the presenter is comfortable and confident, the same applies. So we really rehearse for the presenters first and foremost so that they can deliver their best possible presentation and really, really connect with the audience on that. But we also rehearse for the crew because the crew needs to know exactly how this is going to play also. And the show caller wants to get the timing of things down. And you know, getting back to that idea of, does this feel natural to the audience? Are they ever being pulled out of the story? If the music comes up at just the right time and the person's walking off next and the next person's walking on because they've rehearsed that, they know it's how it's going to go. You never get that moment where suddenly somebody panics and they're like, oh, I, I don't know what I'm, I guess, I guess Bob is next. 
you know, and then Bob oh. comes up and, and then Bob's thrown off. You know, so we rehearse that. We rehearse all of that, so everybody feels good about it. And then when they walk on stage, they're smiling and they feel great. Now the audience is smiling; and they feel great. So, rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. <laughs> Are there any any things that other than not rehearsing enough? Any other things you see that associations or you know show show planners do wrong? that you're like, oh, I, I see this is a, mis- a common mistake that then here's a way to, to fix it. Anything that you could share about that? Gosh, that's a great question. You know, I think one, probably the biggest one is just not thinking about the potential impact of these things enough. It's just missing the opportunity to to do things intentionally, to do things strategically. You know, the order that people goes, go on stage, the order in which you do things, tells the audience something. Whether you mean to be telling them that or not, you are telling the audience something. If the executive director, the paid staff leadership of an association is the first person to take the stage and the volunteer leadership follows them, you have told something, you've told the audience something about the structure of your association. So you better make sure that that's what you mean to be telling them. It's so easy to just have a spreadsheet and say, well, we we always do the national anthem. We usually play a video. Then our CEO comes on and does the annual report. And then we usually do accounting. And then we usually play another marketing video. And then we send everybody to dinner. Those are the boxes we need to check. But are they in the right order? Is This is a story. Is there a beginning and a middle and an end? Are we picking up the audience where they left off the last time they were in this room last year, taking them somewhere else and then dropping them off a place where we can meet them again? Is this part of continuity? So I think that's the biggest thing that I see is that people just don't think about the opportunity they have in front of them to be really intentional about these things and and, and allow it to just unfold. Absolutely. It's a production. It is a, it is yeah, truly it's a, show. a production. You know? Yeah. That's <laughs> what I think of it. It's a, you know, if you've got an audience it's a show, you know, don't treat it like a program. Don't treat it like, you know, just the, the, the live version of the, of the, the list you printed out of the things you've got to accomplish. Treat it like a show, treat your presenters like characters. You know, that's what part of the story are they telling? Yeah. Like you said, you have the boxes there. Now, how do we, how do we amaze our, Arrange our those, audience? Yeah. yeah. Rearrange them. How do we, how do we get from box A to box B in a way that no one's expecting? And it's going to just create a wow moment for, yeah. for them or just, or keep them engaged. Because usually we see the energy go down from, from the speaker to the next speaker because there's we're waiting because it's silence. And then the next speaker's walking on. Oh, and, and Silence is oh, death. It is. Oh, it's the worst. It it's is so awkward. Worst. And you want to fill those spaces just like in radio. You know, you, you, you don't want any air in the conversation. You know, you want that to you want those things to flow naturally together and then people stay in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such great stuff here. Before we wrap up, are there any any tips, anything that, that you see the, the best associations that you work with that they do right? Some some tips that, that new, other show producers, show planners can take from this. Sure. Uh, two things spring to mind. One, start thinking about this early and get creative professionals involved early who can ask you the right questions you are an expert in your field. We are experts in ours. Let us help you starting early on. The biggest one of anything else is put yourself in the seat. Put yourself in that banquet chair Mm -hmm. mentally for this experience. Think about the attendee experience, not only the duration of it, but what information are you giving them? What's the order of that stuff? What are you asking them to remember when they come out of there? How do you want them to feel? And if you put yourself mentally in that position and you say, gosh, this is an awful lot of talking heads, that's what they're going to be feeling too. So 
give them some credit. They're not just there, you know, because they they have to be. They're there because they're choosing to be, especially in professional associations where yeah. everything is so mission driven. You know, you're not there because you're an employee. You're there because you believe in your industry and you want to make it better. So reward their investment with valuable content, respect their time, entertain, surprise, and delight them. And they'll they'll walk out of the room singing your tune and they will come back. I love that, those words, reward <laughs> their investment because they are, they're not, you're not just putting, giving another talk. You're not just giving an update. They are investing to be there in front of you. And and for anyone who is thinking, well, I don't do big shows like this. I don't do big general general sessions and things like that. I I have smaller breakouts and stuff like that. Still go through the same process, rehearse, plan, do everything that Mark has been talking about. It's just you may not have a whole team of people behind you. You might it might just be you, but you could still take yourself and your and your team through that process. And Jim, you know, it, it just one patent passing note on that is the yeah. thing you can do no matter what the size of your show is, even if the show is just people walking by your booth, put yourself in the audience's position and think through yeah. what that experience is. What kind of day are they having when they, by the time they get to your booth, what have they experienced so far? What would you want to do when you walk up to a booth? Would you want to be accosted and sold to? <laughs> do you want to be engaged and comforted? Do you want opportunities to discover the things that are important to you that you know as a professional are in your booth? But how do you get out of the way of the sales mode and engage them as people? Because they're a person and you're a person. Yeah. Think about that attendee experience and I guarantee you can improve it. Just awesome. This has been this has been so fun. And the time has just absolutely flown by. So Mark, as, as we wrap up here, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Odyssey Creative and who is it that you serve? Oh, who do you serve? We serve meeting planners. We serve association conference teams, you know, departments and Truly, we serve the audience. You know, that's we have to be brought on to work on the show in order to do so. But we do like to think of the the audience as kind of a phantom client. But yeah, I mentioned association work. I love it so much because it is mission driven, and also that there's not as much turnover a lot of the time in association staffs, and there's not a lot of there's not as much turnover in the in the membership and in the in the attendee base. So you can create a more consistent experience. But yeah, associations are are are, are some of our favorite clients because we can tell bigger stories over over more years and and be talking to a lot of the same people. Odyssey Creative, we're kind of all over. We work nationally, internationally when necessary, but you know, most of the time we're right here in this. I'm, I'm in New York City, greatest city in the world for anybody who's, who's, who's tracking. But you know, we work wherever the show is. We go to the client's offices to rehearse and plan and write scripts. And then we go to the venues for, for site visits and rehearsals and then shows. Something that we love to do so much. I, I, any association that's looking to up their game, that's probably my very favorite category of client is an association that is ready to step up and do a little bit more and and be more competitive for their audience's attention and memory. Love getting with them and sitting down with them, learning their language, learning their culture, learning their style and their tone, and then helping them get that in front of their audience. Awesome. If, if there's anyone, association or Anyone else who just wants to learn more about, about you, wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to connect? Odysseycreative.com. And I know that sounds so easy to spell. It's not. O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y creative.com. And um, yeah, we've got numbers there, emails there, samples of other shows, 
always happy to brainstorm. You know, when we, we don't start the meter running when we start conversations. Always happy to brainstorm and talk about ideas to make your show better. Excellent. I'll drop that right into the show notes so that anyone who's on the treadmill or driving and they, <laughs> they didn't have a chance to write that down, click on the show notes button and then uh, you'll find all the links to, to connect with Mark. Mark, this has been an absolute delight. I've had just so much fun listening, getting a little peek behind the curtain and seeing that there's more than just those two guys that are sitting at the back of the room. <laughs> there's a lot more going on. So thank you for, for sharing oh, it's that. It's my pleasure. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I'm As you can probably tell, I'm very passionate about it. I enjoy yeah. the work immensely. So I love talking about it too. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Everyone connect with Mark. If you have any questions about production or reach out to him about using Odyssey Creative and continue to learn, keep getting better. Make sure you're subscribed wherever and get over to our website at tradeshowu.biz and keep binging on episodes. And we'll see you next time here on campus at Trade Show U. Have you ever been at a show and at the end you're like, wow, that was not a good show for us. It seems like just the wrong show. That's a huge mistake that a lot of companies make is picking the wrong show. I am here to help. I have recorded a free video training for you and your business on how to pick the right show. Or if you've already picked your trade show, how do you know if you picked the right one? This video training will be a game changer as I walk through the seven questions you need to answer and how to answer them to make sure that you are 100% spot on picking the right show. And how do you get this free training? All you have to do is go over to the website, that's tradeshowtheletteru.biz, and right on the homepage, sign up for our email newsletter, and you will immediately get access to this free training that will ensure that you have picked the right trade show for you. So get over to tradeshowu.biz and get access to that free video training, how to pick the right trade show. Get over there now.